Hi friends, Diana again. Aldous Huxley is an author from the early 1900s that I very strongly admire. And he said, experience is not what happens to you. Experience is what you do with what happens to you. I hold that quote in my arms as I do this podcast because I can only hope that it will lead at least myself to heal, but it will also lead the world to heal from the issues that we all face. You can reach me on Twitter at Finally Inspired on Instagram. I am the Couch Activist. On Facebook, I'm Diana Donnelly. And please feel free to read my blog at blogspot at thecouchactivist.blogspot.ca. And you can also read my writing on the Boveda Inc. blog. Trigger warnings, friends. We are going to talk about sexual assault. So before I started recording this, I was trying to piece together when it happened. Do you do that too? Do you ever try to think of your memory? And and I always use employment because I've had a lot of jobs and I can remember how old I was at each job. And so it's that's one way to really see, you know, when things happen. Because once again, who the hell knows <laughs> when trauma occurs? Sometimes it, in the gray matter, it's not like it's the a microfiche that has a date at the top left corner. You know? So I'm going to explain to you something that happened to me. And I wasn't even sure if I was going to explain this one or, or offer this as an experience. And though, yes... Yes, it was sexual assault. And the fact that I wasn't sure if I should share this as though it was an experience that is worth sharing, it shows me just how societally conditioned I am to blame myself. So... This one weekend, I was in Toronto for some reason. I can't remember if it was on training for work or whether it was just to visit friends. Regardless, I remember I had my period while I was there and it was finishing up. And um, Sunday on the drive home, I remembered I had to start my pill that day and I had to go to the pharmacy and grab it. But for whatever reason, I just went straight home and I didn't bother doing that. And then that night, I think I went up to play pool or something at the uh, the saloon in town. And ran into a guy that I was friends with. Uh, he and I, I had a crush on him. He and I had had... Um, sexual relations a few times before that. <clears throat> so one thing led to another and we d- we went up 
to a friend's house. Now, that friend was dating another girlfriend of mine, so I felt very safe with him. The other guy that was there was like a brother to me. I had grown up with him. Felt safe there. The third guy was the guy that I sort of had a crush on and the guy that I had had relations with before. And so the four of us sat down at the table and started playing euchre and drinking some whiskey. And I remember this part of that. (laughs) Now that I grow my own cannabis, I remember them saying how the cannabis that we were smoking was a bit rough. There were some nuts and bolts in it. (laughs) You know, some twigs. Twigs and stems. I will always remember that as I detail. Uh, stem my uh, buds. So uh, it was early in my partaking days, both whiskey and cannabis, and the two contraindications occurred, and it wasn't long before I was no good playing euchre. I was not that good playing euchre, anyways, but. The guy that owned the house um, had kids, and the kids were at their mom that week, that mom's that weekend, and so he said, I just go on in, and, and um, there's a cot in there, it's Sam's, go ahead. So I did. And the next thing I know, the guy that I had the crush on was having sex with me. I don't know how it started, I was unconscious. <laughs> And I just remember waking up and, like, not knowing what was happening and not, and just not knowing what was happening, and yet it was happening, and then it was over before, and then I was passed out again. And the man, that guy was using me as though I was a lawyer and he'd put a restraint retainer on me or something. Because I had had sexual intercourse previous to that night, he assumed it was an open invitation. He assumed that that's why I went there. He assumed that regardless of whether I was conscious or not, he was going to get what he wanted. And in that instance, consent wasn't given. Consent wasn't asked for. Consent was not considered at all. And one can look back and say, oh, well, you can say that now, you know. But I know my intention to go there was not to have sex with anyone. And you know how I know that? Because at the age of 19 to 21, I did not want a baby. And so there was no way that I was going to have unprotected sex with someone when I was supposed to be starting my birth control pill that day. And once again, when I look back at this, I wasn't going to even talk about this because I did what we all do. For so long, I just, I, my brain put this memory in a different compartment. The compartment that this memory went into was the you shouldn't have been there compartment. Do you guys have one of those too? Pretty sure we all do, right? Shouldn't have been there. Shouldn't have trusted. Shouldn't have done it. Shouldn't have gotten drunk. Shouldn't have. Shouldn't have let myself be in that situation. (laughs) And I know, friends, I know. I know exactly what I'm doing when I say that. I know. 
I'm blaming myself. I'm blaming the victim. I'm blaming the person for trusting people she grew up with, for trusting someone she had had relations with, for trusting that it would matter. And it didn't matter. None of it mattered to him. None of it. And now I can sort of remember some of the after effects of that. And what I mean by after effects is just the, you know, the discussion with my parents as to why I didn't come home that night. And, blah, 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 blah. and you know, it's like it never came up that, oh, my God, Mom, I was sexually assaulted. <laughs> Do you know why it never came up? Because because that trauma was tucked in the gray matter and it was hidden down and I wasn't allowed to see it for what it was. I was only allowed to feel ashamed of me for going there. <laughs> we have to stop doing that, right? I mean, have we all seen the video of the giving consent to have tea? And how it's the same thing as sex. And if a person, if you give a person a cup of hot tea and they are holding that tea in their hand, even if they sip that tea, if they decide that they don't want that tea, they don't have to have that tea. That's what consent is. That is being okay with, with what's happening to you in every second that it's happening to you. And at that part of the equation wasn't even introduced. And this guy and I ha do have a history because he used to tell me all these things that he used to do proudly. He used to use sex as a weapon. There was a girl in our town that was, you know, everybody sort of admired her, and she was popular, and she was beautiful, and, you know, she was flirtatious to the girls and the boys. And she was beautiful. Did I mention she was beautiful? <laughs> yep. Might have had a crush on her. Me. <laughs> Wouldn't admit that, though, either. But this guy used to tell me that he would grunge fuck her. And that was his, that was his weapon. So for those of you who do not know what that means, is he would have sex with her fast, hard, violently, and be done with it before she even knew what was happening. And that was his little way of getting her for thinking that she was better than him. <laughs> and this is what he would tell me. I'm not... I'm not making any of this up. So, that guy comes from a good Catholic family, too. Right? Mom and Dad think he's great. Great son. Doing lots in the world. And he doesn't ask for consent when he has sex with women. So how many good sons are like that? How many good daughters are like that? Because it is in no way a one-sided thing. Consent is the thing that stands between a victim and sexual assault. And it's that one thing that can change the whole experience. Consent can protect you. Both of you. Consent can 
give you freedom. Consent can give you power. Consent can give you so much. And it is so small a thing, even to this day. So right now, one of Weinstein's accusers is uh, having her story weakened because she can't remember when it happened. (laughs) I can't remember when this happened exactly. Can you remember when all of your experiences happened to you? (coughs) That is not a measure of fact. Not in a world where we know that our brains and the trauma that they experience behave in a way that protects us so that we don't have to deal with what has just happened. It's a protective thing because, hey, in the, in the prehistoric man and woman, you didn't have time to be depressed about something, you know? There were intruders always. There were always some, some reason for you to have to keep on going and keep your wits about you. And so that's why our brains do this. Put this back there so that I can get dinner and get rested and get a safe place for my pack. It's not logical. <clears throat> and I guess when you when you're tucking that away, maybe deep down you do intend to bring it back out again later. And maybe when it's occurring, we do not have the ability to understand or to comprehend. I don't really know what the answer is, but what I know is that quite often we do things to other people and we have no idea what they think of it because we haven't asked for consent and we haven't asked for opinion and we haven't asked for perspective. If nothing else, I hope that, number one, my sharing these experiences will give you, brothers and sisters, permission to share yours. And in doing that, I hope that everybody that hears these experiences will Consider them when we're in situations like these. I remember a while ago people talking about the consent thing and somebody said, oh yeah, so you're just going to stop, you know, making out so that you can verbally ask somebody if it's okay if I touch them here and there. And oh, that's terrible. Why, you know, you wouldn't want to do that. You'd ruin the the tone. (laughs) Aw, ruin the tone. Considering the years and years and years of pain that occurs when you don't risk the tone or the feeling and you ask for consent, you know, you see that that little pausing in making out to make sure that we're both on the same page is okay. It's not a bad thing. Hey, could be a turn on, right? And in fact, let's just, let's get that out too. So fast forward to 12 years ago when I met my now husband and he asked everything and it was a turn on to be asked permission. So think about that. It is a turn on to be seen as a valuable, 
autonomous, decision-making individual. That felt good to say, yes, please touch me. <laughs> you know? So, um, in doing this, once again, I hope that you uh, see things differently. But please... If you feel that you're ready, like I am, to discuss these things, reach out to me. And if you want to discuss them with me privately, I'm open to that. But if you want to share your experiences, I think that this could become something really good. And the end result would be to make sure that we do get sociologists and psychiatrists and all of the ists. To get on the stand and start talking about how memory distorts traumatic events to protect itself. But that in no way abolishes the responsibility for those events or the healing that needs to occur after those events. And we may just have to dig them out, dig out that sand that's stuck in my gray matter in order to heal put it out on the table, dissect it, and see that in no moment in that experience that I have just explained to you, in no moment was I wrong. There is no reason why I couldn't trust those people. There's not something wrong with me that I did trust them. That wasn't my fault, trusting someone. The fault lay in that one person. So I'm healing myself in talking about these things and I wasn't able to forgive myself and now I do. And I see that I didn't deserve or need that forgiveness anyways because I did nothing wrong. Consent. Not just a seven letter word, friends. It just might be everything. Thanks for listening.